Hey there and welcome to the Skin Lovers Unite podcast. My name is Kelly, otherwise known as Skin Queen, and I'm so excited to educate you on all things real skin science. Over the past five years, I've gone from working as a dermal therapist to a clinical educator where I worked with some of Australia's leading skincare companies, learning so much about the skin and science behind how it all works. And now I'm here to share all my knowledge with you. Let's jump right into today's episode. Hello, skin lovers. Welcome to another podcast episode. How are you? I hope you're doing well. As always, reach out to me on Instagram and let me know because I'm loving hearing from you all. Honestly, it just makes my day when I get good feedback about the podcast and podcast suggestions as well. So keep it coming. So I'm really looking forward to today's episode. It's actually been very requested and today's the day that I actually finally get around to doing it. I have been having so many podcast guests at the moment and I honestly love it because I can talk about the skin all day as we all know, but I'm just enjoying learning so much from others and just bringing new energy into the podcast. And I've still got a few cool people to interview, which is really exciting. I'm going to have somebody come on and talk about hormones in the skin, somebody come on and talk about laser technology, somebody come on and talk about PRP. There's just so many exciting guests coming on the podcast. So continue to listen in. And by the way, can I just give a massive shout out to one, my Nana. So hey, Nanny, thank you for always listening to my podcast. Nanny texted me the other day to say, like, great podcast today. She always gives me little comments. So thank you so much, Nanny, for always listening to my podcast. And additionally, thank you to all of the people who are actually listening to this. So I only started this podcast. By the time I put this episode out, it will be eight weeks ago. And it's had nearly 2,000 plays. And I've got about 93 people subscribed. So shout out to the 93 people who see my little notification pop up on your phone whenever I upload a new podcast. I super appreciate it. So if you've seen the title of today's podcast, you will know that it is all about KP, otherwise known as keratosis pilaris. And this is something that so many people still struggle with. So many people don't understand what it is or how to actually treat it. So today is going to help you give clarity and really help you to understand what is going on at a cellular level because that's what we're all about here on the Skin Lovers Unite podcast. So firstly, what exactly is keratosis pilaris? Well, we're going to do a deep dive on that through today's episode, but essentially it is known as Um, retention keratosis. So it's when the skin cells aren't actually exfoliating and we're going to learn exactly what's going on to cause that. But most commonly people know it as chicken skin. And I think that's so mean. (laughs) Who gave it that term? And honestly, if you've seen chicken skin, I don't think they look the same at all actually. But basically it's when you get those small red bumps either on your arms, on the backs of your legs, on your butt cheeks. And, you know, no matter what you do, it just sticks. They look like little pimples, but they don't have white heads. The skin can be quite dry and quite rough and quite bumpy and can be quite unsightly as well. I know that so many people get really embarrassed by this condition. I've actually experienced it on and off for quite a few years. Um, I sometimes get it a lot on the backs of my legs, but I was talking about this um, in a beauty college earlier this year and just teaching the students there 
you know, exactly what's causing it, what it is. And some poor girl, she was like, oh, I thought it was just a fat person's condition. And oh my gosh, my heart broke. I was like, girlfriend, no, are you kidding? Like I also get it. And well, you know, I could be fat maybe, (laughs) but I'm here to myth bust everything today and actually explain to you what is going on when we are experiencing hyperkeratosis. So if you have a look on Google images, if you're not really sure what it is, you'll see some really clear pictures that you know, really visual, help you to visualize what it looks like. But as I just mentioned, it often occurs on the backs of arms, on the backs of legs, on the buttocks. Um, I don't think I've really seen it experienced anywhere else, maybe the inside of the thighs, but it's really important to understand what's going on at a cellular level. So we understand how it's actually formed. So I'm going to bring you back to the epidermis because this is an epidermal condition. And just to remind you, it's also benign. It's not dangerous. It doesn't mean that you have any serious health conditions. I mean, it could be triggered on from health conditions, which we'll go into, but it doesn't mean that you're dying and you have a disease. So when we have a look at the epidermis, we'll start off with the basal cells or the stem cells. And the whole reason why I wanted to do this episode today is because I have been talking about the layers of the epidermis so much this week that I was like, do you know what? It's fresh in my head now. Let's go. So when we have a look at the basal cells, these are actually known as stem cells. And at the very bottom of your epidermis, these are like what I call our baby cells. So our skin is constantly duplicating cells and creating new cells and going through cell division and cell mitosis. And this all starts in the basal layer. And I refer to it as the baby layer. And when we have healthy basal cells, you know, that's when you're going to continue to reproduce healthy basal cells. Now, just a little uh, reminder, basal cells are anchored to that dermal epidermal junction, which is that squiggly line that helps to divide the epidermis from the dermis. And that's really important because it actually is the life force for our basal cells. If we don't have healthy nutrients within our skin and really feeding through our capillary network in the dermal layer, we won't get good nutrients and oxygen being fed through that dermal epidermal junction and into the basal layer. So it's really important that we're actually giving our body lots of nutrition to ensure that we're having healthy basal cells from the beginning. So what does that nutrition look like? It means including things like essential fatty acids into our diet. And if you are lazy like me, then having a few fish oils a day, I take two capsules a day, will really impact your skin positively. If you're vegan or vegetarian, you can look into things like chia seeds. I honestly am not sure on how many chia seeds you'd need in terms of tablespoons or scoops. But additionally, you can have a look into other things like soybean extracts or hemp oil is another really good alternative. But these help to feed our skin the nutrients that it needs to create healthy basal cells from conception. So from really those basal cells. Now, I wanted to myth bust something here. And as I say that, I'm actually going to have a drink of water. I actually had coffee today before I had anything else. And now I am reaping the mistakes (laughs) with a massive headache. So I know for next time (laughs) and shout out to the 70% of people who told me to eat and drink water first because I didn't do that. Anyway, so, you know, when people tend to have dry skin cells and this will make more sense as we talk about it a little bit more. People will say, oh, it's because I don't drink enough water. No, (laughs) that's not a thing. 
Water, yes, whilst it's essential, it's actually more essential for our essential organs, such as things like your brain, your liver, your heart, your kidney. And although the skin is the largest organ, it go, water goes to the skin last. And when we drink water, you know, it's not going to hydrate our skin cells as effectively as having essential fatty acids in our diet actually does. Because the essential fatty acids, it's almost, they almost work like a magnet to your basal cells to help produce really healthy cell membranes within our skin. And when that happens, that's going to actually help our skin on a number of different layers like reducing dehydration and barrier impairment and also reducing combination skin, if that's even a thing. I actually did a post on that on Instagram. So if you want to know what I'm talking about, go and check that out, but also will help with acne skin as well. So once we have healthy basal cells or stem cells, as I said, these are anchored to the dermal epidermal junction. So they'll actually reproduce and spit out some new cells up the top because that's what happens in cell differentiation and mitosis. And then they move up into the spinosum layer. So the spinosum layer is the second layer in the epidermis. It's about maybe three to five skin cell layers thick. It's more spongy. It's very healthy. And this is where our Langerhans cells start to produce as well. So these are like the security guards of our skin. I like to look at the spinosum layer as the teenage layer because they're really starting to get a feel for life. They're understanding where they sit in terms of the different layers of the skin. They're really starting to have a little bit more responsibility and they know what they've got to do in order to actually survive in this world. Similar to like teenagers, well, most of them. So from there, the spinosum layer, it then um, progresses forward and it turns into the granulosum layer. And this isn't just happening like one layer at a time. It's constantly happening within our skin. So at any one given time, we always have five layers of the skin. But when we move into the granulosum layer, this is when our skin cells become a little bit more flatter and they start to get a little bit older. And so I call these the adult skin cells because they're starting to get a little bit older. They're starting to not give a fuck as much, although they still do. They still have a lot of responsibility, just like all of us adults. (laughs) And what tends to happen there is we start to see the cell membrane start to break down and degradate and start forming the acid mantle, which we then see in the stratum corneum. However, if your cell membranes aren't healthy because we haven't fed our skin, you know, enough EFAs throughout its life cycle, then you're not going to have a healthy acid mantle. So if that's not healthy, then you're actually going to be lacking that as cells move up into the stratum corneum. So as cells do start to move into the stratum corneum, so as the granulosum layer moves up a little bit more, they turn from keratinocytes into corneocytes. And, you know, corneocytes are really, really, really clever cells. And I've spoken about this so much in the podcast, but corneocytes actually have the ability to desquamate naturally. And so I've spoken about in the past when we're constantly trying to scrub and exfoliate our skin, it doesn't create healthy skin cells. And so corneocytes, when they're actually healthy, when they've been fed enough nutrients throughout their whole life and that granulosum layer starts to break down and form that acid mantle, otherwise known as the lamellar lipid layer, otherwise known as the lipid bilayer, you're going to have a healthy balance within your skin. But if you don't, that's when we start to see corneocytes start holding on for dear life on our skin because 
They don't know when they're getting their next drink of water and just think of it as like, you know, someone really parched and dehydrated, crawling around in the desert, looking for water, holding onto the ground, being like, I'm just going to hold onto the ground for dear life and hope that I get a drink of water soon. And often I actually think about like, you know, cracked bits of dirt in the desert and it's like they're just shriveled up. They're just holding on for dear life. And that's what happens with our skin cells. Then what we see in keratosis pilaris, otherwise known as chicken skin, is those skin cells start clogging up the follicles. And that's what is known as retention keratosis. And as they start to kind of go through the cycle, we get a little bit more buildup. That's when you start to see that rough, dry skin, that skin that's really clinging on for life. And I've known because I've done it myself, which is really naughty, but you can actually squeeze them out. And it's like a little hardened thing of cells that come out, a little hardened bit of skin. And that's not ideal too, because when your skin is dehydrated you're actually and you're squeezing it, you're going to cause a lot of trauma to the skin, which we don't want to do. Hey there, I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you are a beauty therapist who is hungry to learn more about skin science, skin histology, and skin concerns, and really level up your confidence around treating the skin and getting real results for your clients, then I have something for you. My course, Upgrade Your Skin Science Knowledge in 10 Days. When I first started on my journey, I really struggled to find resources online where I could learn more about the skin that didn't break the bank and really helped me to develop as a therapist. And over the past few years, I've had so many others tell me the exact same, which is exactly why I created it. So if you are listening to this and you've been searching for an amazing online resource that teaches you lots about skin, then check out my course, Upgrade Your Skin Science Knowledge in 10 Days. And don't forget to use the code SLU for Skin Lovers Unite, SLU50 to get 50% off your purchase. Now let's get back to today's episode. So how do we actually treat this? So there are a couple of different things that we can do to treat keratosis pilaris. The first is actually including EFAs into our diet and our client's diet. So as I mentioned, whether that be in the form of fish oils, whether that be in the form of soybean extracts or soybean or chia seeds or hemp oil, creating healthy cells from the very beginning is going to be your best bet at treating it. Now, additionally, I'm having a look at just because I love to have a Google to see, you know, what's out there because there can be so much misinformation. And I actually heard something the other day on Instagram that says we live in such an information dense world that, you know, whatever you're trying to say, you can always find information to support that. So if you want to say that the sky is actually green, you'll be able to find information on Google that supports this. And that's where we get so much miscommunication and misinformation. And really, when you actually understand understand the skin you understand the skin but I was having a look and it was saying like who can develop keratosis pilaris people with dry skin which makes sense people with eczema which makes sense people with hay fever and now hay fever whilst it can be something that people with atopic dermatitis can get it can also be as a result of you know barrier impairment and dry skin and then it signals your Langerhan cells and your immune cells to respond so that makes sense says people with obesity and actually I would then say that's because they are having too many polysaturated fats in their diet rather than um, saturated and healthy fats that help to balance the lipids in their skin 
women and that could be because we are um, EFA depleted, children or teenagers the same and it also says Celtic ancestry and I would actually say that's because of how dry the skin can be over in the UK. But when I had a look at, um, said how to get rid of keratosis pilaris, I was just like, no. <laughs> it says take warm baths. No, that's not going to work because it's actually going to dehydrate you further. And it says here, taking short warm, warm baths can help to unclog and loosen pores. Rub your skin with a stiff brush. Well, yeah, that could work. But it says try to limit your time because you can remove the body's natural oils, which I would agree with. It also says exfoliate. Yes, exfoliation. Um, yeah, dry brushing would be amazing, but also using products that have salicylic acid in there would be even more amazing. And PCA Skin actually have a cleansing body bar. Let me have a look at this. PCA Cleansing Body Bar, because I don't know the name of it, and I should really just go to my bathroom and get it. It's called Dry Skin Relief Bar, and it's like soap in a container. It's a weird thing to explain, but I have actually been using that for my keratosis pilaris for more than 18 months now. And I also use it for any dandruff I get along my hairline too. And it's packed with, um, sorry, it's packed with salicylic acid, which gently helps to break down that hyper uh, retention hyperkeratosis, which has really created a lot of change within my skin. So I would recommend that. This article also says apply hydrating lotion. Look, yes, but we want to be hydrating the skin from the inside out. And I think that's the most important thing. But on this article too, it also said something like, um, you know, do peels, do enzymes, do microdermabrasions. And when you've already got dry skin, you actually don't want to be drying it out even further by over exfoliating. So my suggestion and my solution to keratosis pilaris would be to include EFAs in your diet, to be getting a salicylic cleanser wash to to actually include in your shower every day and then what you could do is you could actually foam that all up on your arms and then use a dry body brush to actually um, really work it into the skin and finish with a body moisturizer something that's you know really hydrating something that has ceramide something that has vitamin E in there to really rehydrate the skin you know from the um, outside in as much as we're looking at it from the inside out. So I hope that you have enjoyed today's episode. I hope that it has shed a lot of insight into keratosis pilaris and it makes you feel more confident when you go to actually diagnose it and help clients with the solution for it moving forward. As always, make sure you're sharing this podcast on Instagram. I love reposting it. Honestly, I get like butterflies whenever I see any of you do this. I'm like, oh yay, they're listening to my podcast and I make these for you. So I always want to make sure that they're adding value and you're learning lots of stuff. So please, please, please keep the suggestions going. I've got a um, sticky note on my computer that has lots of ideas. So I'm also going to be doing a podcast next on epidermal leveling because I've had a few people request that. Um, I'll do one on niacinamide, but as always, send your ideas through. I hope you are well. Thank you so much for listening today. Stay moisturized and I'll chat to you in the next podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, be sure to share this on Instagram and tag me at Skin Queen. That's Queen with three E's. And I'll be sure to repost you. Have an amazing day and stay moisturized.